My guest on today's episode is Jane Buckley. She's the author of a trilogy of novels collectively called Stone's Corner. The first novel in the series is Turmoil, followed by Darkness, and coming soon, the third and final novel, Light. She was a delight to talk to. Her self-published novels have done very well. Her tenacity is inspiring. All the ways that she has worked to get her book in front of readers, and it has paid off because she just won an award for her first book in the series. I highly encourage you to check out all of her books. I'll have links to them in my show notes. You can get them from her website or on Amazon, whatever's easiest for you. I'm the Reluctant Book Marketer, and I've got just one question for you. Do you see your novel as a million-dollar asset? Because if you don't, and you want to, you're in the right place. This is the only show for novelists who want to shift their mindset away from fear and toward abundance. Because you can sell more books than you ever dreamed when you believe in what you're doing. Well, I'm due to publish the third of a series of four books at the end of this month. And the last two that I published, self-published, were in 2021. And the, shall I just give you a quick synopsis? Um, My books are novels. I mean, they are big, thick books. They are up to 135,000 words per book. Wow, wow. So uh, 490-odd pages. Um, And the idea, at the moment, I've been actually really, from having listened to you, of course, um, I've probably sold between ebook and and paper copies just near to a thousand copies. That's awesome. That's really good. And it that's between awesome. all all three books that are out right now. Uh, all two books. All, all two, two books. books. And the third one is coming. Right. Okay. My 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 mistake in listening. Okay. So the first book came out in um, February March 2021. The second in September. And it, and you know, as as it's a tautology, like it took me weeks to be able to say that word. Um, you know, there's been a little bit of momentum. People are saying, oh, my God, what happens next? So that's that's helped. That's helped. Um, the difficulty I've had is, oh, my God, I have learned so much. I mean, it's just been a real roller coaster of a ride. And the target audience that I uh, initially started off with is was primarily because the books are written, um, they are fictional stories based around true events that happened during the Troubles in the north of Ireland, which is still to this day a very hot topical subject in in the north of Ireland, whereas the rest of the world, um, fortunately, I was able to travel quite a bit through my job, you know, to the States, to Australasia and whatever, and people were always saying to me, you know, they couldn't really comprehend what the troubles were all about and why they lasted so long. So there's been many, many, many books written, you know, uh, factional books around from journalists about the troubles. But I wanted to get it in a story that people would learn, but get a good old, I mean, there's a few plots in there. And I'm one of those people that guess at the beginning of movies, he's done it and, you know, drives my husband crazy. So I like to think like a box and think, you know, nah, you're wrong. So there's quite a few plots and twists. It is hard hitting. It is not for everybody. I've tried really hard to be unbiased. So I thought, well, I'll write something that's going to entertain as well. You know, around the 20-year-olds, you know, 20-plus, you know, whose parents have lived and grandparents have lived through the troubles. That fell flat. Okay. 
Okay. And the yeah, reason- it will. I mean, if you're if you're targeting by age, you're going to fall flat. Although, you, like, yeah. I don't understand where the myth started to get perpetuated that we should target an, an age. Like, it just doesn't yeah. doesn't make sense. I love books about old people, and I love books about young people. YA is the most popular fiction genre right now, or like uh, area because we find that adults love reading about young kids and teens as well. So, you know, age is a weird way to market. Yeah, I mean, so that was one of my many learnings. So what I find from the analytics, analytics, I can't even say the word, but looking at my Facebook followings and looking at the, at, you know, because people can buy directly from my website. I have said this, which I shared with you. This is my business. I treat my business as a product. I have set up a limited company. I have invested a substantial amount of money from my pension. So I've, I've got an even more desire to be successful because I want to pay myself back. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk. And, and I want that for you, too. And I want that for the, the publishing community to hear that and to let that soak in. Like you can rewind 30 seconds if you need to and, and listen again to what Jane just said, because it's profound. It'll change everything for you if you just do that, if you just treat this like a business. Now, what I want to hit on is you briefly showed on camera and most people are only going to be listening to this. Um, but if, if, if you want to talk a little bit about your covers, they look to me like they're a professional house designed them. So yes. talk to me about that process. Well, the process is that, and again, this goes back to, and again, one of the comments that you've made in one of your previous podcasts is about investment. Okay. The reason I have self-published is two reasons, primarily in no particular order. One, I haven't got the time to sit and write millions of letters to agents. I've tried that, I've had responses, I've had no responses, and I find that incredibly demoralizing. And I'm one of these people that just want to get on. And because I'm not getting any younger, I want the next 20 years to be my life to evolve around my my product, my books. So I was fortunate enough to do the self-publishing. So as a part of that, I have focused and invested on professional covering design. I have a professional editor. I have a professional copy copy reader, a writer, forgive me, and then I have a proofreader, and and I have I have a professional who actually uploads the books to Amazon. It does all the because I've never had a problem in delegating because there are things that I don't need to know. I don't this want is to know. Gold. This is gold. Please, if you're <laughs> listening, just rewind again. Listen to all of that over again. If you do this, there is a guarantee that you will you will earn back your investment. If you don't do this, you might earn back your investment, but there's a guarantee if you do what Jane is doing, you will earn back your investment. And that might sound overwhelming to you right now because you might not have a pension to pay for it. You might actually have to put it on a credit card. Uh, and if you do that, you're going to have some pretty high interest rates as you try to catch up with it. But what you do right now, 10 years in the future, is going to have such a big impact, you won't even be able to fathom. Um, so that's wonderful, uh, everything that you're doing. I want to pause really quickly because there's a way that you can distinguish between what you said and some people can kind of shoot themselves in the foot. You said, I don't have the time to do the query process. And you said you've queried and you've, you've gotten responses. You've been ghosted. You never leapt over the magical hump into traditional publication. I think, and I don't know you well, so I might be wrong here, but I think what you're saying is that the rigmarole isn't worth it, that you're a good enough writer and that there are ways that you are proving you're a good enough writer that self-publishing makes sense. You're not doing it because uh, your writing is inferior and it's the only way the world's going to see it. 
Talk a little bit about that because, because some people will say I'm impatient. So I just published this because no agent picked it up. And if that's your attitude, if that's the, the kind of the way that you set it up, huge problem, but there is another way I'm self-publishing now for a very similar reason to what you are. But if you just hear those words. Yeah. Yeah. I truly believe in my product. I truly believe in my writing. I have had that affirmed by the reviews that I'm getting and it's not just old family. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting reviews from people that I've never met all over the world. Okay. I mean, and again, this goes back to this learning curve. You know, I look at my first book and and I don't know about you, Jody, but I look at it. I'd love to change it all over again because there's things that I've learned since that first book that, and, and anything in it life can be, you know, improved as time goes on. But no, the reason I have not self-published is because I can't be bothered. Or I think one of the things that I found difficult was an agent in London, and I've actually turned this around and turned that into an advantage. His blatant words were, I have never, nor will I have ever anything to do with the troubles in Northern Ireland. So my genre, my subject is a contentious subject, okay? It's not a you know a big wide commercial subject. There are some very sensitive, difficult subjects in the stories. Yeah. Okay. That's to me important am, to be there. Yeah, absolutely. And I am doing my utmost to actually turn that round to a positive, because the people that are reading this, even from people who lived, and I don't know if you know much about the troubles in Ireland, but you have the north south people who lived maybe even a hundred miles away from Derry, where I'm from. They had no concept of what was going on because of the the media control that was going, you know, and they've said, oh, my God, I can't believe this. So, you know, it's not for everybody. You know, people have had to put the book down because it's too disturbing. So the self-publishing route is ideal for me. It's I'm a control. I love I love the control element as well, you know, and and the pride that comes with it as well in, in believing in your own product. And I truly believe. I just have that f- instinctive feeling that these books are going to do incredibly well. Yeah. You know, there's there's something, I mean, from a logistics standpoint, to self-publish is to make more money on fewer copies sold, um, which is smart business sense, honestly, as long as you're willing to, to put the investment in. Um, I would say to writers who want to maybe skip the querying process for agents and think self-publishing is the right path, uh, Invest maybe in a developmental editor for the first yes. book you do. Maybe that's something, and I don't know if you necessarily had a developmental editor for your first book, but that's a totally fine way to pay somebody to be like an agent for you because they'll read it and say, oh yeah, it needs yeah. it needs development work. You get the benefit of an education that you would otherwise have to go to college for, um, yeah. pay a lot less for it. And when you're done, you still have the book, which is a, a, a much improved, if not a, a very professional um, top tier edited yeah. book. It goes so. without saying. I mean, the, you know, when I when I read some of the comments of one my, I mean, my editor um, was recommended to me and she is incredibly selective. But fortunate, I've always loved English. You know, I've always loved the language. And she actually was interested in me from the email that I sent her. Now, when she just heard comments on the first book, I mean, it was probably quite, she said I was a storyteller. I could tell there was a great story there, but getting it across the right way, that's where she came in. And that, oh my goodness, I have learned the little details that are so important, like when to use a capital, you know, letter when you're talking to your mom or, you know, all these little details that are so easily missed that can separate you from 
from being a professional, for want of a better word, to just doing it for a hobby or blah, blah, blah. Many of you might not know, I grew up in a small suburb of Denver called Arvada, Colorado, with my brothers and sisters. And during the holidays, it wasn't uncommon for us to be alone when my parents were off at work. And we might cook up some chicken nuggets in the oven before walking down to the PDQ to grab a bag of ho-hos. But what if we forgot to turn the oven off and the house burnt down? I'm sure that you've seen some unfortunate circumstances in life, and if you're one of my many listeners in Colorado, you should check with Brent Sharp to get the proper insurance on your house, your car, or anything else that needs insured. Brent Sharp is licensed in Colorado, and he's the only insurance agent there that I would trust. He also happens to sponsor this episode of The Reluctant Book Marketer. Thank you, Brent. Don't just take it from me either. Here is a review from Sabrina. Brent Sharp was very helpful in getting me an excellent quote and policy cancellation for my other insurance. I just moved to Colorado from Texas and wasn't sure where to start. He took care of everything I needed without any problems. Listen, with a name like Sharp, he's going to be on the point. So check out Sharp Insurance today. I'll have details in the show notes. Yeah. So, and 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 uh, to connect this with the listener who's thinking to themselves, oh, you know, grammar's there so that you can break the rules. Um, to a degree, that is true. There's something invisible that happens to your progress as a self-published author if you don't take grammar and style seriously. And that's that you cannot reach the readership that you need in order to be the kind of success you've always wanted to be if you don't embrace grammar. So I'll just use the rule that you just talked about. If you are addressing mom, so like, hey, mom, you capitalize mom. You can think like, oh, you know, and and I'm not going to do that. Now, there are readers and serious reviewers and serious people who will see that, know it's a grammatical mistake, and their opinion of your book will lower. You stack enough of those up in a book and it's a losing battle. You cannot win their favor. And they might otherwise recommend you because they do think you're telling a great story, but they think you're a novice. You're not very good at it, um, at the the, the process of communicating. That first page, Jody. I mean, again, in one of your many podcasts I listen to, you know, how important that first page is. Because when I go into an airport or any bookshop, I look at the first page and I read the first, you know, and if I see something wrong there, I'm going to put the book right back down. So you've got to treat it that your book is is amazing not amazing it is perfect it's got to be perfect absolutely any standard less and you you're setting yourself up for failure so i love where we started this off because this i think gives the most respect and honor to the only thing that is 100 in your control and that's the quality of the book that you publish that's 100 in your control there's nothing that is out of your control however what we're going to step into now there are some elements that sometimes look a little bit like luck. I would argue that uh, luck is is ultimately timing and opportunity. I'm a, I'm a believer in that particular equation that luck equals time plus uh, effort, I should say. I think I said opportunity, but it, it's effort and timing. So you've put forward the effort. You said that you kind of had some targeting issues. Um, what book, what one book out there that you've read and has sold well and has a following is most like your books. Oh my goodness. Um, well, we've got a lot of, as you can imagine, we've got a lot of Irish authors here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a guy called Brian McGilloway who has, okay. um, who would write, it's more like detective thriller stories. I mean, without okay. sounding, um, you know, 
big-headed or not big-headed, but there aren't many books like my book in Ireland and here about the troubles. Mm-hmm. As I said, I, I have done my research. I have looked at all sure. the local Irish authors. Very, very few, because, again, it is still such a sensitive subject. Yeah. Very few have actually written. Apart from Anna Burns wrote, she was a Booker Prize winner for The Milkman. Okay. And that was based just after the troubles ended here. But, I mean, the, the probably one of the local authors here would be Brian McGillie. I mean, you've got all the big ones. Like, you, you mm-hmm. obviously love Stephen King and all the, you know, the major yes. authors. And, again, this is something that I have found, and I'm sure maybe, and I hope perhaps it's not just me, but through my writing, I find it, one, difficult to find the time to read the way I used to be able to read. And two, when I do read, I don't read the way I used to read to enjoy. I'm actually looking at people's mm-hmm. style and how they're sure. writing. And yeah. everything's changed to me. So um, I'm not really sure that's an answer to your question, but it's um, does that we're, help? We're, we're approaching it. So um, let me ask, have you read any of, uh, and I, I think her name is pronounced Tana French, but it could be Tanya or Tan- Tana French. Have you heard of her? Tanya? No. Tanya. So T-A-N-A French. She's fairly popular. Uh it might be in the woods is the name of the book lost in the woods or in the woods. Um, right. I, I believe that that one is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of being close to what you're working on. Just, just from the very little, I know I haven't read your book. Uh, I read her book long enough ago that I might be kind of convoluting some of the details, but really I, I, this is how I would encourage you is step back from thinking about plot details. Um, stop, actually thinking as niche specific about the book, think more about feeling. What book have you read that feels like the book that you wrote? It doesn't have to have the same content, same subject matter. It doesn't even have to be in the same genre because honestly, we're looking for a feeling. We're looking for that sense of like, when I read this, it puts me in a specific mood, just like the one that I evoke when I write my book. Okay. Well, I, I love Birdsong by Sebastian Fox. I mean, that's one of the, the books that I would really, that's a okay. book I will never forget. That's mm-hmm. a book that took me, I was there, you know, I, I felt everything and mm-hmm. I experienced everything. I could smell the, the smoke. I could feel the love in the air. I could, it covered everything, you know, it was World War One, and, you know, the atrocities of that. So mm-hmm. I think probably that's, that's my answer in a nutshell. Okay. Okay. And emotionally, when you read that book, you're like, that is, it, it's a companion for my book. Emotionally, I, people will yeah. feel the same way. Good. That's a good so, point. That's a great yeah. point. Well, that's, what, that's mm-hmm. what you want. And that's why we actually love books. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's why I love Stephen King, because he, for me, has become a predictable emotional companion. I know he's going to put me in a certain mood when I read yeah. his work. So I don't, I don't really care so much for the story about the story, I should say, as I do about knowing that he's going to put me in a headspace. It's why I go to authors like Dennis Johnson as well as I just like, there's a mood, but the two of them are not necessarily for the same readers. Always. There's, there's a particular emotion that I'm looking for that I'll seek in different authors. So I think this helps you to overcome the problem of thinking I have to interact with people in my genre. And it puts you in a position of thinking I have to interact with people who feel what I feel. Um, And it's a, and that's something I've never thought of that way. That's great. Yeah. So taking that, taking the, the book that you, you mentioned, um, one immediate thing that you can do, and this is just practical for anybody listening, that book is on Goodreads. It has been reviewed by people. Anybody yeah. who's reviewed it five or four stars loved it. Those yeah. people emotionally loved it. They didn't love the story. I mean, they like the story that you read for story, but again, 
you you feel a way when you read a story. Some people can end a book with a tragedy and it crushes you, but you want more of it. And some people yeah. can end a book with a tragedy and it crushes you and you want nothing to do with it. Yeah. That's because of the emotion. The, the stories could be very similar, but it's the way that they emotionally connect to you. And another person would be swapped. The, the way that you loved it wouldn't work for someone else. So you're, you're dialing into this book. Anybody who rated it five or four stars, build your groundswell by connecting with them first on Goodreads, then connecting yeah. with them on Twitter and start to engage with them and interact with them. Um, from there, you start to have some people who will read your book. How are you getting your book into their hands once you decide who should read it? Well, I've I, I've got a platform on my on my website where you can order the book um, directly from me. And what I've done there, I've treated that as I as anybody would. It's it's a shop, so my products are there. Um, I've offered. Uh, readers the chance to I can sign the books for them I've offered offered a little box there that if it's a gift for Christmas for example they can put a personal message and I can sign the message on the book I wrap the book beautifully it's beautifully wrapped from me directly because I actually I actually got a, a local printer to print out probably about 500 copies for me so I have them at home under my stairs but I have approached so many bookshops um I've, I've done I've worked on walk-ins you know I have little leaflets printed that give an outline of what my story is i've actually put a media file together that i i, I got the list of the top of the only actually i think it was about 38 independent bookshops in ireland and then i sent them this media you know very short simple sharp about me why i write what the storyline is and then the reviews um and i sent that out to them and then i followed that up with a phone call I rang it shop up, which, you know, if even if you get sort of two out of 30 or a good, you know, people talking, um, I did that. I obviously Facebook, I use Facebook. I, I post three times a week on Facebook. You have taught me about Twitter. So I'm working hard. I never seem to be able to ask as good a questions as you do. I'm working on it. Um, but it, it, it is all about, and, and I don't say this just because it's you, but you really have helped me an incredible amount. One of the first things I did, actually, listening to your podcast a few weeks ago, you talked about pricing, about value, oh, right? Yes, yes. I mean, that was a cracking podcast. Uh, because thank I, you. I had done this 99p thing because everybody does it. I, know, I didn't sell horrible. one book. Right, you know, yes. I, I took it off. I, and then I put my book back to my £12.99, which is what, 24 dollars or whatever for you and i thought you were spot on and i've sold more i've sold more books in october from, than i had in um in september you know yeah. because the price was up you've got to believe in what you're selling yes people exactly can, and you're communicating yeah you're, you're I, communicating to people i'm worth this much and yeah. so that that actually affects the way that people read a book if i pick something up for 99 cents i expect it to be 99 cents good and yeah. and it could actually be better than that and my mind will literally suppress my enjoyment of it because i'm expecting it to be 99 cents good um so thanks for mentioning that you're, you're right yeah. and the other thing too is you're right you know people will download books how many downloaded books do i have loads mm -hmm. do i ever read them yeah. right but if i pick 
If I pay twelve point ninety nine for it, I will read it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and this is true. I illustrate this by um, every single Christmas I get a load of new books because people understand if they get me anything other than a book, it wasn't a really good Christmas for me. Um, and I, I love getting gifts. I really do. So sorry if you're listening and you're like, gifts are so material, but I love getting them. And I know what happens when someone buys me a book is that they spent uh, probably full price to buy it because I really value new books. Yeah. And I read those books first. I have a whole bunch of books that I picked up at the library book sale for a couple of bu bucks. Uh, they might be taken out of circulation. And so they've got the little stamp on them. But that's my way to inexpensively experience authors I might not otherwise try out. It's really cheap, a couple bucks. I'll put all of those on hold for the new books that were paid for uh, at full yeah. price. Because again, it's just this value that you yeah. have for it. And you're like, wow, I got this full price book brand new. Um, it communicates something. So... Um, okay. So what I want to talk about then, and you're right, as far as the pricing goes, are you doing, by the way, are you doing any Amazon ads at all? Or have you stayed no. away from that? Okay. Stayed away from that. Okay. Stayed away. And then what are you doing for reviews? For reviews, um, when I send out, when I send out a book myself, which most of my books are sold through my website, I actually put a little card inside thanking um, readers are buying the book and then giving them and asking them to place a review. I, I do that with a bookmark. And at the, at the end, at the end of my books, I have a, how important a review is to especially an indie reader. And, you know, I've got probably about 86 reviews on. Oh, that's reading. amazing. I don't know if you've looked and they are, I think I'm up about for the first book, I'm at 4.67. I've got 86 reviews for the second book. Um, I've got something like 26 and I'm looking at that sort of the, the hit rate between, you know, reviews from the first and the second book. But again, I'm up at 4.8 on the scoring. But what I would, dare I ask you a question, because it's a big question, actually. In terms of Amazon, I tend to get more reviews on Goodreads than I do on Amazon. So which, as an author, is more important to me? I would have thought readers look at Goodreads buyers Amazon and all the algorithms that go with Amazon. So and you're, you, you are correct. I've never actually bought a book using Goodreads before. I do get ideas about new books that I want, but I don't actually, I don't ever click buy now and transfer. I actually open a new browser and go to Amazon. So right. functionally, it's not a particularly good tool to move people into a buying behavior. Yeah. However, yeah. You're, you're spot on on your question. And it's one of the easiest fixes you'll ever find Everybody who left a public review, you can comment on their review. So you just comment and yeah. be like, oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. Well, do Would do you mind copy and paste and move this over to Amazon and then oh. literally put the link where they leave their review in the comment so that they can just copy and paste theirs, click the link and go straight over to Amazon and drop that review. And oh. everybody who reviewed it on Goodreads will now review it on Amazon. I, I, it's almost 100% conversion rate. Oh, that is fantastic because I've had one or two stars from Amazon and I've no idea. Well, and again, this is, I know I keep doing this, it's probably driving me crazy, but that podcast family and friends <laughs> supporting. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's awful. You know, I haven't done much running because every time I listen to your podcast and I'm running, mm. I have to stop and make a note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've one or two stars. I'm, I know it's from members yeah, right. That's yeah. awful. That's really hurtful. So I will say, because you brought up that episode, um, my dad, 
bought a copy of my book, which I did not think he was going to do, especially because I didn't even write the book for him. It's a, a book to help novelists be better novelists, the seven-figure marketing mindset for novelists. He bought yeah. it as a support. And I, I was honestly blown away. I didn't think he was going to do it. So thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So as far as the, the review piece goes, now the next thing that I would say is you're really close. Once you move all of your Goodreads uh reviews over to Amazon, which will only take a one-on-one effort, then I think the next thing you do is aim to get just 16 more. If you're at 84, aim to get 16 more. So you have 100 reviews. Once you have a hundred reviews on Amazon, I would honestly suggest go ahead and turn on the the ads for Amazon. Um, Because once you have a hundred reviews, you are going to be highly competitive in your genre. Um, and then I hate turning people away from me for, for things that they can do, but there's a guy called Kindlepreneur. I can't remember his actual name, but you can watch all of his free videos and get a really good education on how to do your targeting. So look up Kindlepreneur and figure out how to target specifically for your book. And when you turn the ads on, plus you have a hundred reviews, you are going to at a minimum break even on the amount of money you spend on ads uh, and the sales that you'll make. Uh, so that's that's probably a good way just to start getting some more readers. Yes. And if you turn it on for, for book one of the series, it uh, should provoke buying behavior where people are grabbing book two and eventually book three once you publish that. My next question for you is, what are you doing with pre-sale? How are you getting on people's minds before the book is out? What What types of things are you doing to excite them? Well, I've I've actually got um I've Waterstones is one of the biggest sort of book um, shops here in the UK and Ireland, and I've actually got a launch of the third book coming out on the twenty sixth of November, and I'm hoping and again you know advice to authors is plan plan and plan and plan for the worst all the time. Printers not delivering on time when you know they promise you time and time again they will deliver. Always prepare for the worst case scenario. So. Um, I'm planning to launch the third book on the 26th of November. So I lead, I, I, I've done a marketing. Again, I've invested in a design company that just do very simple. I have my own colors on my brand. You know, I have this, the same sort of, um, you know, uh, every every piece that I put out has the same colorings on it. You know, I have my, my signature is part of my logo. Um, so when I do send out um, posts for events, I use Facebook for events. So I've got my events on my website and I've got them on on Facebook and then I've got them on Eventbrite, you know, things like that. So I try, and again, another huge lesson learned, build up to that book coming out. Don't just suddenly say, oh, here, I have a book. You know, get your friends to talk about it, get your family to talk, get, get the dog to talk about it, get everyone to talk about the book. So that's, that's, primarily what I've been doing is is letting people know it's coming you know there's going to be an open de- uh, um, a signing on the 26th at libraries you cannot you've got to go to libraries um, I sat one Saturday about three weeks ago and I contacted every county in Ireland the library directly and I've said I would you know I gave again I did this media pack I sent it off to them and I think I had something like 25 sales of the books you know Saying we will buy your books through a bookshop in Dublin, and then that, that's great for that bookshop as well because I'm building the rapport with that bookshop, and you were on first name terms, and it's all about 
having a bit of fun as well. We forget the fun element. I love, as you can tell, I love talking. I have no problem standing in front of an audience. In fact, I much prefer it. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the thing to do. Don't just suddenly get the book. You've got to preempt it. You've got to get it out there, make people aware of it, build it up to the excitement of here it is. I mean, I've had calls and I had a girl yesterday left me the most, I mean, I couldn't describe her language. It was awful. Where the, I just finished the second book, when's the next one out? <laughs> you know, because she's so keen to get her hands on it. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's it. Just um, getting word out, networking, getting the word yeah. out to everybody. Well, I can tell you with a, a relative level of certainty that you're really close to having a good hockey stick explosion of sales with your book. If you do the things that we've been talking about, you're already you're already engaging in a lot of the the right behaviors to get this book into a lot of readers' hands. Um, I would I would focus on turning up your your energies on the one on one. So go to the Goodreads page for the author. And I apologize. I already forgot his name and the name of the book, but go to that book um, that you said emotionally resonates with yours. That's the next thing that I would spend time on. I would block out an hour a day. I know that sounds like a lot, but I would block out an hour a day to engage with people who reviewed that book specifically. And if you have any other books that pop in your mind where you're like, oh yeah, that one's similar too," do the same thing. Start to create a community where you're friends with people on Goodreads who emotionally resonate with those books so that yeah. they, I mean, it increases just your organic ability to get in front of them and see your book. Um, and then I would, I would do the next thing when you friend them get into that discomfort zone, at least for me and most of the listeners, it's really uncomfortable to cold direct message somebody. Um, So confront that fear, reach out to them and be like, Hey, I noticed that you admired this particular book. Would you consider buying my book? It's like a twin for that book. Um, They can can unfriend you. They can say no. They possibly, if they're really, really angry, I've had this happen to me twice on Twitter where somebody posted, this guy's a predator. He direct messaged me. And what ended up actually happening as a result of that is I got more listeners because people were like, I'm looking at the message. You, you literally screenshotted his direct message. That looks really friendly, actually. I'm interested in that podcast. So I've gotten more listeners from that hate. And I think that you'll get more readers the same way. So that's honestly, that's the only thing I would tell you to do differently right now. If you do that one thing, I think you're going to see a, a massive growth in your sales. Um, and book three itself will generate a lot more interest for you. So, okay, Jane, any other last little bits you want to leave with? No, I just, I can only say thank you because, um, you know, um, again, I was listening this morning about fear and giving up and I've been close to thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? But um, there's so much, there's just too many writers. Stop writing. (laughs) I know, I know. It's, it's good to, it's good to remember that most of them are not doing what you're doing. And so they're not even your competition. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a big favor right now. Click on the follow button in whatever podcast app you're listening on. That way you'll get notifications every time I drop a new episode. And if you still can't get enough, you can go to the show notes, click the link for my newsletter, and sign up today. I'll give you one to two interesting pieces of content every single month that you won't hear on the podcast or find laying around on the internet.